Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. You have made it to episode 75, and this is a very special episode because we are here with a super, super special guest, Dan, who will be talking to us, talking with us about the, how did I frame it, the past, the present, and the future of military watches, vintage military watches, present military watches. Um, he's a collector. He's a master. Really great collection. He has great thoughtful insights and perspectives. I'm talking too much. Dan, say hi to the nice people at home. Hey, guys. How are you? Everyone answer, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> right. Answer. Answer in traffic or wherever wherever y'all are listening. Um, so everyone, you guys know the flow of the show. This is going to be a, a bit different because Dan is our, our our first collector. So Mike and I are going to jump into the wrist check, and then we're going to let Dan talk about what he's wearing because I'm actually super super interested in and in, in what he's got going on. But um, before we do that, uh, uh, thank thank you so much, Dan, for taking the time to 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 come on air because we're all. As, as in two book watch knobs fashion, we are doing this 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 special episode in three different time zones. Yeah, I don't think we've we've ever <laughs> we've ever done it in the same time zone. Um, we're you're 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 in you're you're seven hours ahead of us. I think. Yeah, said. yeah. I'm seven hours ahead of you. I'm currently overseas in Cyprus at the moment. So that's right. That's right. So okay. So really, do appreciate making the time and working with the time constraints. But um, here let's jump into the wrist check. Michael, what are you wearing? I'm talking too much. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, all, I'm all hopped up on caffeine and, and cats right now. It's okay. I I just had my coffee too, and it's it's the, the sun the sun is just coming out right now. Is so. it finally is it is it finally showing showing itself in Seattle? I, I feel a little better. Um, in in honor of our guest, I'm wearing a CWC Royal Navy diver. Yeah, nice. Two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand two. I've talked about this this watch a little bit before. T dial that is actually tritium, um, automatic kind of a great, great special watch that's part of the mil sub lineage. And you know, I, I picked this one up maybe a year ago or maybe a little less than a year ago. And since then, I, I was talking to my wife about this last night because I was really excited about this interview and I couldn't stop talking to her about it. But uh, <laughs> I actually, I haven't seen another one of these pop up. I've seen the quartz ones, the quartz T dials pop up, but not an automatic. So, really excited that I got this one, and um, you know, I, I thought it would be appropriate for our discussion today. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, is it my turn? It's your turn. I I also into honor of today. I I don't I don't really have a, a, a repertoire of 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 like of like vintage military watches. So I got the closest thing I could possibly think of. I'm wearing my Poljot thirty one thirty three um, Soviet chronograph. Um, nice. Wearing it on a custom EA eight leather goods um, or EA leather goods uh, strap. Um, we talk about EA all the time on the show. Um, he makes these straps really cool. It's rally style. I had this really fun custom stitching on here. We'll get a shot on the feet because I don't think I have a shot on the feet of it yet. But um, yeah, it's a really cool watch. I love the 3133 chronograph. It's just really fun history. In terms of vintage chronographs, it's also really accessible. Um, it's based off the Valju 7734, which the Russians... It's funny, I was reading a piece uh, a little while ago, which 
says the Russians either purchased it once Valju moved to automatic movements, or the Russians just stole it and just started just making copies of it. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a bit of discrepancy. I am inclined to say that they purchased it because they had the machines. The Soviets had the machines that they purchased. I think from Valju. So um, it's just it's just because there there there's been some some history. You know, uh, very very janky orological sort of progressive uh, uh movement history from russia so you know they'll do russian versions of popular or they did russian versions of popular movements at the time you know the poljot signal the alarm uh, complications another great example of that but um but i like the 3133 i think it's a lot of fun again really accessible in terms of um vintage chronograph it has it technically has military history you know it was originally uh created for um the Red Army, oh man, I think in like the 70s, mid-70s, and then in the early 80s became a villain, uh, a villain, a kid became available to civilians, so I have a really early civilian version, uh, I know that because the case back is not decorated, <laughs> but uh, the thing is pretty cool, it's super clean, and uh, I like it on this, uh, I have it, I, the strap that EA8 made was, um, it's like a rally type strap, so super fun. Good, good, good. I think a good compliment to the show. But, um, but, but Dan, really excited to hear what you're wearing. You can also use it as an opportunity just to introduce yourself appropriately to folks and just kind of, you know, talk about, you know, your relationship with with military watches. But, um, but yeah, really, really interested to hear what you're wearing. Um, right, guys. Mm -hmm. So today, in honor of, I guess the the theme of today's podcast, I am wearing my limited edition, uh, Bromont solo uh which is limited for uh imagery intelligence analysts who work within the british military and i'm mm. currently wearing that on um a very military-esque um strap an erica's original um elastic oh, cool. strap the mn strap that obviously um takes i guess it's inspiration from the uh, French divers straps on the um, Tudor submariners that the French Navy used to wear back in you know the good old days of the 70s and 80s. Um, so mm -hmm. it's on one of those at the moment, um, which is quite apt, you know, considering it's military as well. Um, but also the weather over here in Cyprus is starting to get a little bit warmer, and you know, finding that myself going off down to the beach and all that kind of stuff. So it's an ideal strap for the weather as well. So cool. So there you go. That's, that's super cool. That's what I've yeah, got I see. I, I, I see the Bremont on your feed all the time, and you do switch straps a lot. Is that something you encountered yourself like doing pretty often, or or is that is that kind of just something that surprised you how how kind of strap friendly the watch was? Um, yeah. I mean, I think um, it was just a case of trying to experiment with different straps for different occasions, um, and then I got really yeah. into the idea of. Um, kind of going off, you know, to kind of like, I guess, niche strap makers. Um, I like the idea of, you know, watches to be a bit of a statement of your own personality. So um, mm. if I had a unique watch, I didn't want it just on the stock, you know, bracelet or strap that it comes on. I wanted to, you know, get something that was unique to myself. So I started hunting out for like, you know, unique straps, which I could put all of my watches on. And fortunately for me, a lot of my watches, especially my uh, bespoke military pieces they all have the same lug width so i can buy one strap nice. and then i can interchange it across um four of my my um bespoke watches which is quite nice 
That's super Always cool. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, it, it, it changes on different um, occasions, doesn't it? You know, you can dress a watch up and dress a watch down as well. So it's quite nice. Yeah, I I I I I want to I want to talk about the Bremont Solo more, but I think it's I think it'll be really really valuable to just kind of you you said and you, you said it perfectly statement of personality. How how do you think your watch collecting early days and then kind of like middle days like how do you feel vintage military watches has been a statement of your your personality? Because I mean on your on your feed you have like you have a, a pretty cool and diverse collection of. Um, very thoughtful military pieces usually when i see folks who are collecting military watches it'll be very niche so you know i only i only collect collect hamiltons that were that were fished out of the river or like yeah. something like that but this this is very very it's it's not just a love of a brand or of a specific time frame it's a love of utility you you utility military watches so so would love to hear your kind of just thoughts on the on the early days you know what got you started okay. in vintage military pieces yeah yeah that's not a problem so um I, I actually got into military watches because when you join the army, the, f the first thing, well, when you, in my experience anyway, of joining the military, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of the first things they tell you to do is you turn up to basic training w with a watch, you know, and uh, I, before joining the army, I never really wore watches at all. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I, t I turned up with a really cheap, um, nasty, like, Casio Illuminator <laughs> thing which you know just got me through basic training and trade training and then um it was actually in my first year of the army where um i decided that i wanted to collect something uh to do with the military and um mm -hmm. a lot of guys that you know i've i've i come from a military background you know um so i've been big into military history so um a lot of that kind of initial collecting idea went down to the route of potentially looking at you know collecting medals um and that kind of stuff and military sure. memorabilia but then i realized that actually as cool as collecting medal medals is unless you are willing to you know fork out a lot of money for like the more unique what um, the more unique medals you know you're, right. you're gonna you're gonna basically just get everything that everyone else would normally have but also then the practical aspect of having medals is, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to just put them in a frame and they're going to take up space on your wall. <laughs> you know, that they're, 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 they're not very practical in terms of actually of any use. So I looked at mm -hmm. it and thought I was going to collect something that I could use. And um, I basically just started researching military watches because I'd heard of um the fact that, you know, if you were in a certain trade within the military, you were entitled to have um, a watch issued to you. And that's literally what it was. And uh, I guess really my, my first proper watch was actually a, a CWC. So that's where it kind of all started. Um, I bought a, a secondhand CWC off eBay. And I was just so, I guess, attracted by the, you know, the military, um, I guess, reasoning to have a watch you know the whole right. military practicality of being on time and you know having the these watches but then also the fact that they're all pretty much no frills aren't they you know they're a very basic watch you know they tell the time and if you're lucky the date you know and they've got to be accurate <laughs> within a certain you know um degree of accuracy but then i i got right. really fascinated with the fact that you know they all have different case back markings you know and 
um, something for me was the fact that the caseback markings related to particular years and through my love of military history, you know, I'm looking at these caseback markings and looking at the potential conflicts that, you know, potentially that somebody's watches may have seen. And that was kind of really yeah. what drew it for me. So I guess really my military collection kind of spins out from the idea of kind of bringing myself closer to, I guess, the experiences of soldiers and military, obviously military personnel who've been in conflict before I had. Um, and, you know, me having a watch from that rough period almost brings that kind of conflict or that part of the military history alive to me. So that's kind of how I did it's, it. It's it's actually a really interesting story because the it was a practical impetus first. You yeah. you were you had this you you know you you wanted to collect something military esque, but then at the same time you realize you you know you needed something to function for you the, the everyday duties that were required of you, and so. From that, this sort of love of love that the, the, the story the watches could tell spawned. And the thing is, I love that because it's the the connecting string throughout all of that is a relationship with the military. You know, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like you saw this on a commercial or you saw, you know, you know Leonardo DiCaprio wearing this watch in like a war film. You're like, oh, I gotta find what kind of watch that is. It was this. It's this very organic, like, like. I don't know, just relationship that I, I think it's uh, uh, really makes the collection special. I think that's what's informed your collection because we were talking about some of the pieces before. So you mentioned the CWC that you 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 bought the first one you got on yeah. eBay. Do you still have that? Yeah, watch? I do. I still have it, and it's it's right here in front of me. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. Um, it's it's uh, you'll you'll like the story behind it. So yeah, it's a second hand watch, and I'm you know that that's fine. Um, it's dated two thousand and six, and for me that that date's quite important because um, I was growing up in Cyprus at the time. So um, I'm now working in Cyprus, um, but uh, I was mm -hmm. also growing up in Cyprus. My my father and my mother moved out to Cyprus when my dad left the army, and you know that kind of era of 2006 for me was when I first kind of started having a proper influence of the military in my formative years so you know it's right. quite cool as a year but then also the actual listing um, the gentleman who sold it of, on eBay he was quite thoughtful in that he actually wrote where he had gone with his watch so you know oh, wow. it was quite cool you know and he sold it again for practical reasons you know this guy started out as uh you know just in the british military he said that he had this watch issued to him and he took it to at the time you know um iraq and afghanistan and that's quite cool because obviously i was growing up in cyprus i was seeing like you know all the military kit coming through cyprus at the time you know at the beginning of those yeah. conflicts um and then he sold it because he had left the army and became um he was stated that he went to work on, you know, like deep sea oil rigs where, you know, you need a watch with a little bit more water resistance. And uh, sure. <laughs> that's literally the only reason he sold it. But I just thought it was a really thoughtful thing that he wrote all the places that he went with that watch. And, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of connected me to it that a little cool. bit more. So Right. The thing is, it's, 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 it's great because it allows you, it does, for me, it says two things. The story of the watch is not done, and it allows you to continue 
yeah having that watch just accumulate experiences and accumulate stories and everything like yeah, that so that, that's, that's that's exactly that's so cool. exactly what, what kind of cwc is it by the way so, is it is it a diver or general no purpose? these are the general purpose ones um so oh, it's cool. just a quartz general purpose and you know what you just said Kaz, about continuing this watch's story um i made a conscious effort to actually wear this watch when i went on my first yeah. when i went on my first deployment so when I first deployed, I was actually one of the, you know, probably one of the only soldiers to actively go out and deploy with a general service CWC watch, you know, while everyone else is wearing Casios and G-Shocks and something a little bit more <laughs> robust. There's me with this, you know, 30 meter water resistant screw back hatch watch, <laughs> which uh, most people would look and think, you know, you've just got that out of the back of a cereal packet or something. So. <laughs> So yeah, That's I'm quite so proud of cool, that one. Though. Yeah, quite proud of that one. But um, what the other cool thing for me about the military watches um, is the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people love NATO straps, right? You know, because, you know, mm -hmm. that's, they seem to be in fashion now. You know, you've got like Daniel Wellington being sold with like NATO straps and all that kind of stuff. But for me, um, the NATO straps also quite symbolic in the fact that you can buy regimental NATO straps. So in the British Army, I don't know if you know yeah. this, but all the British Army uh, trades and regiments, as it were, we all have our own core colours. So we all have colours and like patterns, which obviously are, you know, unique to different uh, regiments. And a lot of the guys, when they get these uh, general purpose watches or their issued watches, they actually put the colours of their corps and regiments um, onto the watch by wearing their regimental um, strap, as it were. So um, all of my so cool. all of my watches have the regimental colours for the regiments and corps that my family have served in. So they've. I come from a background of career, like career military men, and the watches date roughly to obviously my family's time in service, and the ones that I can get. Um, to the nearest, you know, period that my family served, those watches actually have the core colours of that family member on them. So that's another way for oh, me wow. to show off that unique kind of connection that I've got with these watches. So. I'm getting goosebumps. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it's it's cool because so so so. If I'm just keeping track, your collection, your collection is is an expression of your your love and relationship with the military your relationship with the stories people create with the watches and also your family yeah definitely yeah yeah my my collection is not that cool <laughs> i mean it's just <laughs> it's things I, I i'm like a crow it's things that i find interesting <laughs> i will i will pick that up that's basically i think how i i've, I've evolved as, as a collector um i mean that's just so cool though i i i I'm looking at the list here, and I was looking at the feed, um, at your feed earlier, yeah, yeah. and there are just some specific pieces that I want to talk about. So we talked about the CWC, that, that first piece. Yeah. Um, I think this is pretty interesting because pe people might not necessarily understand or fully comprehend the relationship of of, of Seiko with the relationship with military watches. You have a vintage um, kind of military issued Seiko. Uh, can you can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, I've actually got two now. I've got one that turned up a couple nice. of weeks ago, which is quite nice. Um, so um, the, the, the Seiko models are quite unique in the fact that they're actually devoid of all military case back markings. So unlike the CWC, where you get, you know, the NSN number, you know, you get the W10 and then you'll get the, the, the country code and then all that kind of stuff. 
Um, the, the Seiko watches are devoid of that. They are actually just civilian bought Seiko watches. Um, the only reason mm. they have a military connection, and I can, you know, I can thank a, a good couple of friends of mine who are who are kind of into this area of military history a little bit more than I am. Um, it's actually the connection back to the American military in in Vietnam. So um, that's right. I remember effectively what what it was was. You know, the American military in Vietnam, you know, for operational purposes, decided to start conducting uh, what they classed as cross-border operations, you know, within that theater of of war. So they mm-hmm. were crossing, you know, the, the borders of Vietnam, going into Cambodia and Laos, and they were conducting clandestine military operations there, you know, and that that's basically what it was and the reason they took Seikos were because effectively they wanted things military equipment that didn't label them as American soldiers if they were killed or captured and all of that kind of stuff oh wow so the reason they didn't go across the border with you know the uh, the Hamiltons or the Benrosses that were issued to the uh, American forces were because obviously they had those military markings um, and I'm quite fortunate to say that in my own collection that I've got two of the Seiko models that were issued or pseudo, like pseudo issued to, to the American Special Forces. One of them, definitely. And then another one is the earlier version of that watch, which was used in Vietnam, but this was before the procurement to the Special Forces came about. So there's accounts of the Special Forces using the earlier versions but they had to buy them. And then I think that changed off the top of my head in like 1969, uh, 68, 69, where there was actually a procurement for the American Special Forces where they went directly to Seiko through a government department to actually buy on bulk these watches. Um, and then oh, wow. they were given to the what they called the recon teams and the Special Forces teams that conducted those cross-border operations um, to their team members to um, obviously use um, in those operations. Uh, what's quite funny is actually they, um, they realized that they could get whatever they wanted through this procurement. Um, and originally, you're like this, originally the American soldiers actually asked for Rolex watches. But um, they, they were, they were, <laughs> of, course. of course, you know, they, they, they knew that they could get the best equipment because obviously their budget was bigger. Um, so they asked for Rolex watches and um, the guy who was in charge of the procurement went, actually, we could get you Rolex watches, but they're expensive. Um, so I will have a look and see what other people wear. And he learned that through visiting the soldiers who were obviously out in Vietnam at the time, um, that they all wore Seiko watches. So he went to Seiko instead because they were cheaper, but they still provided the same, you know, specification which a Rolex watch would provide. So they were after watches with good, you know, um, which were automatic and self-winding. They wanted them to be uh, robust, waterproof to an extent and have good loom at night. So they got everything in that package in a Seiko, even though they asked for Rolex. 
These these almost look like uh, the W10s from CWC a, a little bit. Yeah, um, they do. But they're yeah. they're smaller Seiko fives, like just a, a regular looking field watch almost. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, um, in fact, the the earlier one that you see the that's on my feed is a Seiko Sports Matic, and it is actually of the Seiko five line. So you can see the similarities mm. between the kind of Arabic dialed Seiko fives that you get nowadays. You, you know, it still has the same you know, kind of, um, I guess, design cues, you know, so they haven't really changed. Um, but the cooler one actually is the uh, Seiko 7005-8030, which is the one that's on my feed with the date window. Um, I actually have spoken to a few guys who collect vintage Seiko, and apparently, according to military collectors internationally, there's only about 12 of these watches that are left in the world. Wow. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and it, this goes back to the reason why there's so few of these Vietnam Seikos is because effectively um, there wasn't many American special forces operating in Vietnam at any one time. So even though they stated that they bought these watches in bulk, they only ever bought them in, you know, enough for the amount of guys who were operating at the time. And then obviously, unfortunately, due to the kind of operations that they were conducting, they actually had a very high, I guess, mortality rate. So a lot of their guys obviously got injured and killed, and some of them not found. So a lot of these watches are probably just laying out in the jungle right now. You know? Um, so, so there's that element to it. it. But then also, when the American soldiers would leave Vietnam... Um, because they were training local forces, they actually used to gift their watches to members of, like, you know, their teams who were actually living in Vietnam at the time, you know. So they are Asian right. ethnicity kind of guys who lived in that area that they were operating in, and they gifted their watches to them. So a lot of them probably never came back from Vietnam. So There's probably more than 12 in the world, but there's only known, you know, there's only 12 ish known to collectors apparently so disregard uh, that noise you okay Kaz? <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm fine it's just my pride um <laughs> i have i have i have two i have two reactions uh the first one is if i was if i was one of those first uh, american troops and i had the option of choosing a watch and i asked for a rolex i would i would be that cheeky bastard and i'd be like i'm looking for something like a two-tone date just <laughs> something that would really yeah really make a statement yeah you're as like I'm, as, I'm, as, I'm, as, I'm, as i'm bushwhacking exactly you know I mean? yeah you, you, you're um, like i want to look classy when i'm going out in the jungle <laughs> you know <laughs> it's really important guys yeah um the second question i have uh, or not a question the second kind of like just thought is um did you learn about the history of this of these vietnam Seikos before you got the piece or like in your just general research or did you know about them before you even had the piece on your radar okay so um i've got um like i said i've got a couple of friends who who really kind of research and also reenact vietnam military history like very accurately mm. as well um nice. and i'd heard of these watches i'd never seen one i i kind of initially dismissed them uh and the reason i dismissed them was because i started my collection very like you said you know very uh almost niche in the fact that i wanted to collect watches to do with the british military at the time and that had a connection you know for me so my initial collection was you know started with a cwc general purpose watch that i had um and then i decided that i would delve into cwc so my initial collection started out as a goal of collecting every single type 
of general service watch issued to the British military. So the first time I heard of these Seikos, I was actually still in the process of getting all of the CWC watches. So even though I'd heard oh, of wow. them, I dismissed them because I thought, actually, you know, they're not a part of the co- my main collecting focus at the time, you know, but they're still pretty cool. So I yeah. really got into the, the Seiko side of life, really, was after I had completed the, the, the CWC element of my collection. So I focused very primarily on the British military. And then after that, I then kind of um, broadened my horizons, as it were, and went on to other nations. So that's kind you of how I did it. as a collector. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's something where I was talking about on the show. It's really important to just collect in a way that's authentic to you. And I, I think there's a niche part of that we don't really talk about a lot. And that's the idea that you're collecting kind of inspiration. It should evolve. I mean, it's it's. I've seen some people collecting in a box. I only I only collect blue watches that were made in this part of the world between September seventh and September tenth. Like I've seen collectors like that, and that's totally cool. But I think it's especially important for a lot of listeners in the show who are just again getting into watch collecting, and, and a lot of you guys are. That it's just it's okay for your your taste and sort of how you collect to evolve. I mean, what what Dan said just just makes so much sense. You know, he had this sort of idea before, and then as you just kind of grow and mature as a collector that, that, that you just learn and you learn to appreciate more. So that's, that's just, I I, I mean, just on, on my end, hearing the stories about the, the, the Seikos you have, the two Seikos and just hearing the, it's just, it's just so cool because at a certain point we're, we're talking about a watch. The frame for the story is the watch, but we're also just talking about history, which is so cool. Yeah. I think for me, it's the stories behind the watches really that, you know, yeah. attract me to them, you know, the fact that, you know, these watches have been through more than anything that I could ever imagine and they're still working and, you know, yeah, I can uh, go out for dinner on, I don't know, you know, like a, a Friday night with my family and I can bang on a Seiko, a Seiko that was in the Vietnam War, you know, two completely <laughs> polar opposite things, you know, but it's the fact that these things are still working and I feel that they need to be you know, I still, I feel that these things need to be worn, you know, to be continued to be worn and be appreciated because, you know, that's, to me, is that's that connection to that, like I said, that, that experience and that, that military conflict as it were. Yeah, so. Right. I, I, I mentioned in my wrist check that for today's show, I'm wearing the, the, the Russian Poljot 3133 um, Soviet chronograph. And sometimes when I'm just doing things about my normal day, I had that same thought. I'm like, man, this watch has been through some stuff that I can't possibly comprehend. The most harrowing thing this watch goes through now is when I'm eating like a really greasy cheeseburger and I don't want to get it dirty. <laughs> like that's the worst thing. And I'm sure the it, watch will experience. I'm sure it will survive the, 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 the hamburger grease. You know, I'm sure it will. I'm sure, I'm sure it will too. But the if the watch, if the watch had a voice, it'd be like, man, I've survived some crazy stuff yeah. in my time. And this is the worst I got to deal with. Yeah. Your greasy ass cheeseburger. Yeah. Nice. I, I also, I mean, but I also like the, mm-hmm. there's a quote by a guy and I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was on the lines of, you know, um, it's not so much like the, the, the watch makes the man, <clears> but it's like people wear things, don't they? To kind of show almost not a connection to, well, almost a connection to something, but also to kind of um, project what they see themselves as, you know, so, you know, I like to think that when I wear a military watch, it projects me as, you know, a military man, as it were, you know, 
And it's, an ex- it's an expression. Yeah, exactly. You know, so maybe when you wear your pole chart, maybe you also think of yourself <laughs> as a, you know, I don't know, a Russian MiG fighter pilot, you know. Absolutely not. I would not pass the health assessment. I'm I'm very very poor eyesighted. I get I get air sick. I have I have air pressure issues. One hundred percent. I could peel I could peel a mean potato. If they need potatoes to be peeling, I would happily do that wearing wearing a Casio G Shock or 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 in this case an, an, an electronic five in the Soviet military. You know. Good time. But um. But uh, I, I had a couple pieces I want to ask about, but Mike, is there anything specifically that you want to ask about? Or, or, or Dan, is there anything in regards to your Vinci's pieces? Because I, I want to end on the, on the Bremont solo project. But, um, but yeah, I mean, opening the forms, because I'm kind of, I'm kind of I, I have a list here I really want to talk about. But Mike, I'm curious to hear if you have any pieces you want to kind of ask Dan about. Well, there's, um, you mentioned branching out to different um, militaries of the world, and you, you brought up a marathon yeah um that i've seen on your feet as well and you know i was i was just kind of wondering you know what's the story behind that one how you decided to to add that to the collection because a different a different version of that watch is something very familiar to to our listeners Uh, we actually gave one away not too long ago which is just the standard uh black on black model so so Mm. can can you tell us more about that watch yeah so um um when I started branching out into other militaries, obviously I was looking at um, the older versions. So, um, I mean, this is a marathon navigator, which is obviously the modern interpretation of, of that watch. Um, but I was initially looking at the original versions, which are all metal by a company called Adenac, uh, which is yep. obviously Canada, which is actually Canada backwards. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I was looking at those. I couldn't find any at the time. And I decided, you know, well, if I can find one eventually, uh, I'll, I'll add it to the collection because it's cool. But, you know, I'm, I just kind of liked the look of that watch. So for me, it was a case of actually, you know what? I'll, I'm happy with the modern interpretation of that watch. And I just kind of started Googling it, um, looking at reviews. And, you know, as like, as you obviously alluded to, you know, there's different models of these watches. And, you know, there's a green one, there's a black one, there's ones which have got, you know, US government written on them. And then you've got the sterile dial mm-hmm. ones and all that kind of stuff. And I was looking at that and I was just kind of linking, well, there's loads of people who've just got the black one, you know, and there's loads of people who've got the, the, the green one, you know. And then I was looking at the ones which have got like different military dials. And I was just thinking, well, I don't really feel like I could, you know, get away with wearing something that says US government on it or, you know, the US Marines logo on it, you know, um, just because I've not worked with them, I've got no connection to those kind of organizations. And then I still wanted something unique that not everybody would have. And I stumbled across the one that is apparently, and I say it's it's issued, it's probably more apparently issued, um, or at least endorsed by them, but is the one that is given to um, the Israeli Defense Force. So this is like a kind of dark earth, kind of coyote tan colored one. And then the only difference is, is the fact that it's got the um, Israeli parachute or airborne kind of logo on it, which is like, it looks like a, a, a sword with, you know, like wings behind it. And that's like the 12 o'clock position. So I, I just decided to get that one because it was just completely different to all of the other ones that I'd seen. And not as many people seem to own that one. 
Um, and then what was quite cool is actually in 2017, I actually went on holiday to Israel and I actually took that watch with me. So I took an Israeli watch to Israel, oh, cool. which was quite cool. <laughs> so, are, are these, are, this is the, I guess the Israeli equivalent of the, the SBS? Um, or am I totally wrong there? I think it's actually the Israeli equivalent to the, they, it, it, it's called Dovdevan, or that's what it translates into. And apparently the English translation of that word is cherry picked, which means less, you know, they're, they're selected to join that regiment. And from what I've kind of figured out from reviews and all of that kind of stuff, it's actually they're, they're paratroopers. So I guess in a way it's ah, the equivalent okay. of their of the American Airborne, I guess, you know, like um, mm -hmm. the 82nd Airborne or the 101st Airborne. So I don't overly know how their airborne forces work. I mean, I've met IDF. I've been fortunate to meet IDF soldiers and, you know, sailors and airmen. Um, but, it, you know, it was quite brief. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't meet anyone from their airborne forces. So I don't kind of know how it, their selection process works. But from what I gather is it, it's only this dial logo, as it were, is is their parachute wings is what I've kind of figured out. So I see. And you have you have one more very special watch. I think you still have it uh, from from our last conversation. And it, it was one that I was silly enough to get rid of. Um, and that's the Smith's W10. Do you still have that watch? I still have it. Yes, I do. Um, mine golly, is... golly gee whiz. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe you sold that watch, Michael. Yeah, that, You're a monster. That is, that's pretty fatal on your part, man. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, you must regret that every day. Um, <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. Um, but no, it's, a, it's quite cool. So mine's uh, from 1969. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually, I bought it on a... On a whim, actually, I decided that I would look into at them and I found one at a good price. Um, and the guy I bought it from is actually now my, he, he's actually, he lives about 25 minutes away from where my family live in UK. And he's actually a, a self-trained watchmaker now uh, and repairist and he specializes in vintage watches. So he, not only did I buy a vintage nice. watch off him, but he's now also the only guy I actually send my vintage watches to be serviced, which is quite cool. So <laughs> it's quite cool to see how this hobby of ours kind of, you know, connects you with different people. So, so yeah. So, yeah. Um, but now I, I, I bought it off him and it's, it's, it's a cool little watch, man, you know, um, and in terms of being British, it's quite cool because um, it's the last British watch to be fully made in England, you know, so it's got yep. a fully, you know, designed, as it were, you know, case movement and manufacture process that happened in England before, obviously, watches went across, you know, to Switzerland and all of that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, that that was gonna be my my uh, next question. You 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 usually hear that watch referred to as the last truly British watch. Um, yeah. So so I wanted to get your your take on that and see if you agreed. It's funny. I I wore it one time. Um, and met up with a collector down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he actually mistaken it for uh, an IWC Mark Eleven. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> kinda, pretty cool. Kind of got the same look. Yeah, they they, yeah. they do have the, the same look, and if you look at some of the uh, pilots' watches, like the um, yeah, like you said, the the IWCs, and and even some of the Jaeger Lecoultre watches that you know are issued from like the mm -hmm. late late forties, early fifties. You know, if you look at the lug shape and the case profile, they're all incredibly similar. 
you know i think actually yeah. if i remember rightly the movement itself within the smiths is actually based off a jaeger jlc caliber if i'm correct you know you can kind of see correct, similarities yeah. between you know how they look you know and that kind of stuff so i think that's quite cool as well you know um but it's just a great little watch really it's actually the oldest issued watch that i've i've got in terms of my british part of my collection so Wow. So, yeah. I, I'd almost argue that, and this, this is a watch that we were planning on, on talking about anyways. And, and one that, one that fascinates me, to be honest, it, it kind of, I think if you look at the Smith's W10 and a watch like the Bremont solo, yeah. they both have the same kind of spirit. Um, and you know, we haven't talked about Bremont too much yet, but we will. Um, I'm personally really enthusiastic about what the brand is doing for, for British watchmaking and just, you know, this, the spirit that they have. Um, so I don't know, do you think it's a good time to maybe start talking about the, the collaboration you were involved with? Um, yeah, I just wanted to leave off with one last bit about CWC, just because, um, I know that you're wearing one, um, before we move oh, on please to the Bremont. And I think you'll and I was, appreciate I was looking, I was actually looking at them last night. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this. So obviously you've got the automatic, uh, you know, what they class as the Royal Navy diver because it's, uh, you know, it's stainless steel. Um, but the one that mm -hmm. I chose to buy was the PVD coated one, the SBS diver. I which, have it open uh, right here. Yeah, yeah, you do. So, um, I think this one's really cool. So um, for me, it's got a little bit more of a, it's got a personal connection for me in the fact that the procurement and the reason that apparently they went for the all black one was because at the time the British military were doing um, operations in Hong Kong, which was quite cool. So I was born in Hong Kong. So that's my connection to this watch. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think they're really cool um pvd pvd watches it's the only black watch that i own as well so that's quite unique but what's cool with my one is that it's the last kind of period of the watch where they did the way they made the pvd like black of the case is kind of actually in the metal and i don't know how they do it but the modern ones or the newer ones they're actually coated and it's slightly different and you can tell mm -hmm. an older one to a more modern one because of the kind of shade of black that is on it um and also for me it's actually um a tritium dial which is quite cool so um they, which you can't find anymore yeah they're quite hard to find yeah in fact um <laughs> i need to send you the uh, uh, um the link to it but i actually found one of these on ebay a couple of weeks ago going for two thousand pounds wow Jeez. yeah like oh, the guy was asking for two thousand pounds you know and that's that's like probably six times the amount of money that it probably should be going for you know realistically you know <laughs> um but you know the problem is that people who might not necessarily you know appreciate um military watches to the level that you know we would they they take the fact that you know there's potential for these things to have been issued to a soldier in the SBS or the SAS, or they see that in the title and they think that they can add a markup onto them. And I think that's really quite sad, really, that they're playing on this potential link for a watch that probably mm. never went and did something, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's quite sad. And I think it's kind of pushing up the, the prices of military watches, you know, and I think that's quite bad, really. 
Um, but I, well, I mean, it, 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 oops, sorry. sorry, but yeah, I just thought I'd share with you, you know, um, the, the, the PVD version, because obviously, like I said, you've got the experience mm. of the, the standard version. Um, but you know, there you go. So that's I, what it was. I look for the, I look yeah. for the PVD version all the time. I, I toy with the idea yeah. of getting uh, a quartz diver. Yeah. I think I'll probably jump on one of those G10s next, just because yeah. you can get them for such an affordable price. Um, still in good working condition and the design really hasn't changed very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, those all black SBS versions are very difficult to find, especially, yeah. uh, you know, a not so modern T dial. Yeah. Uh, like the one that you have. Yeah. And also like what's quite cool about the dials is in fact, there's a rare, there's a rare combination that some people, this is probably going to spark loads of interest now on eBay and watch forums. Um, but, um, you can actually <laughs> buy, um, there was a period where CWC still had T-marked dials, but they were selling them with Luminova hands and loom. So you can buy yeah. a watch, which obviously has the T for the tritium, but the, the actual um, luminescent compound is obviously not tritium. So apparently they're really rare now. And I think they were dated between 2012 to 2014. So hmm. that combination is probably quite a rare watch to get hold of. So wow. there you go. So there are some which are quite unique as well within themselves, which, you know, don't necessarily make sense. But I think that's quite cool if you're a collector to try and find one of those. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I, I was, I was going to make a comment um, uh, earlier. You, you, you said, you know, people trying to, to take advantage of like a potential connection with this, you know, served in the military, this watch, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And that really just boils down to what we always talk about in the show and that you have to be an educated consumer to be a, to be a thoughtful collector. You really have to be an educated consumer. It's something I deal with all the time with the Soviet watches. I'm going through listings all the time and it'll be like, you know, um, oh, you know, a uh, uh, you know, Russian like scuba diver, neighbor, like naval watch. And I'm like, nope. That's definitely not one of those, but, yeah, exactly, you know, but yeah. they, 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 they're, they're anticipating someone will see that and think so. Um, I think it's just super valuable why we have shows like this, why we have really, really just informative guests like you on there just to help to spread education. Um, what I wanted to bring up also, I, I want to talk about the, 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 the Bremont Solo project because I think, and Michael alluded to this earlier, it's really refreshing to see within urology these days a brand just staying true to themselves and doing what they feel is right and just doing what they feel is sort of authentic to themselves it's especially relevant because it's 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 british watchmaking it's something that's that's really i think important we've been talking about on the show i think really in the early days when we were in like the single digit episodes because back then michael you still had that 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 smiths yeah um the idea of just you know how it's going to evolve, what can be done to just bring that back. So, um, Dan, we'd really love to hear your just just to hear your experiences with the Bremont Solo Project. Maybe educate people on sort of how that works. You know, Bremont making pieces for for specifically for for you know um, uh, military commemorations and things like that, and soldiers. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you just kind of just take the floor. What was your experience with that? Yeah, so um, I actually, I got involved with the Bremont project um, when I actually came out to my current unit in um, that I'm serving at. And I mm -hmm. actually initially had never heard of Bremont, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, and at the time, I had just signed on to buy another one of my bespoke dialed watches, um, the, the, the Breitling um, that you guys have seen. Um, yep. And what happened was obviously I'd signed on for the Breitling, 
um, and obviously that project was going through, um, and I wasn't obviously involved in that in any way. Um, but um, just through looking at other, you know, that kind of level of watch, you know, in that kind of, you know, um, I guess, uh, not just like, and when I mean level, I mean that kind of, you know, manufacturing processes and, and, and you know, yeah. the kind of like, price point you know i was just looking at other brands and effectively i stumbled across bremont because um as we as we know you know um they do commemorative pieces for for military units so um fortunately for me in, in my job i've managed to work with a lot of different people and it just seems at the moment um within the military it seems that people want to have a commemorative watch you know and that's quite unique really i never thought that would mm -hmm. be something that i would ever have to say you know but it seems to be like a, a coming in trend so that people get to a point in their career and if they have the ability to buy a nice watch they seem to do it so um i just started noticing mm -hmm. these really special um bremonts just basically kicking around the corridors and it was just through speaking to people about how did, you know how did these dials come around and obviously i just you know purchased my bespoke brightling so you know it just goes back to it in the fact that i'm so i was so interested in buying something which was unique to me you know and ever so slightly off the beaten path to what everyone else is allowed to buy you know because i mean to look at my bramont and to look at my brightling from a distance they just look like the standard watch but then when you actually physically look at it up close you're like ah oh, that's different and that's kind of the side of it that attracted me to it so um i basically um got involved with bremont through that idea and it was just a case of well actually mm. i want to commemorate what my trade is within the military and i felt that you know the best way to do it would be through you know approaching bremont to to see if they'd be willing to you know commission a watch to commemorate my trade uh, and that's literally how it was. And I, I just emailed them off the cuff, just saying, look, you know, I, I work within this area of the military. You know, I'd love to work with you um, as a company to, to you know, design a, a watch to commemorate my trade, you know. And it yeah. probably was in probably a week, you know, they, they got back to me and said, yeah, you know, um, all for, you know, working with your with your trade, you know. And, and this is the thing is that I think people forget that Bremont actually kind of choose if they want to work with you. Like they don't, they don't have to work with you. If they don't feel that the, the project will have enough traction, you know, for them, then they'll actually not work with you now. And whether that's mm -hmm. right or wrong, you know, that's down to personal opinion, but at the same time, you know, they are a company and they've got to obviously make revenue, you know, you know, sure. unfortunately that's the world we live in, you know, but the fact that they chose my project to be one of those that they were willing to endorse was really quite cool, you know, and that's just a, a cool step, you know, whether that my watches were actually going to get made or anything, the fact that they were willing to say, actually, you know, your commemorative watch is something that we'd like to get involved in was, was quite an honor really um right you know, so. i love the i just love the fact that you were able to just email them yeah, and they got back yeah, to you I it's such an authentic <laughs> conversation like michael and i have tried to talk with brands before and it's like trying to find narnia it's yeah. just like this it's impossible to get a hold of these people sometimes <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> so to know that to know that that i'm sorry yeah yeah exactly yeah you know you know for yeah. such a large company you know that has an international reputation now for you to like you said just drop an email to someone and just say hi you know i've got an idea you know it's it's quite mm -hmm. cool that they were willing to take that time to get back to me you know and 
like you said, you know, with large companies, you know, you might not necessarily get that. And I think that's something that attracted me to Bremont as well as the fact that all the way through the process of doing the watch, you know, going through the design and, you know, how best to advertise it and all that kind of stuff, you know, it was very much a two-way conversation, you know, and that's not nice. just email, you know, that's me actually physically on the phone talking to the military team, you know, I've now got, um, you know, I've, I've obviously badgered them, you know, at no ends for the last year or so, you know, and I've got to know, <laughs> you know, the, the, what I guess in a way they're, they're brand representatives who kind of deal with the internal mm. side of my, my project, you know, pretty well. And, you know, it's quite cool to drop, just drop them an email, just say, you know, literally just a friendly email, just saying, you know, how's your week going and all that kind of stuff, you know? And I think that just adds a personal relationship with the company. And I think they are trying, I think they like to have that, you know, because like I said, it sets them apart really from other companies. Exactly. You know, and I think if you can have exactly. um, a personal relationship to that level, it makes a project more special. So, so, so you, 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 you heard about Bremont, you emailed them, the project got greenlit. Yep. Um, the overall process, you said there was great back and forth emails, phone calls. Yep. Um, how was the process in terms of like the day to day? Were there moments where you were kind of thinking of ideas where you were just like, oh yeah, it'd be incredible if we did this and, and Bremont got back to you and said, yeah, that's impossible. And you kind of like hit a wall or was there always really good flow? Like what was that like actual process? like? Um, so the actual process pro process to, to do the design was very much um, driven by myself. So um, I had cool. to obviously, you know, I got the green light to say, yeah, submit some designs and we'll see what we can do. So what happens is you submit exactly that. You submit them a design and through my job within the military, I'm actually fairly okay with, you know, uh, Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. So I basically took yeah. a, a, a photo off their, off a few of, off their website of their, the models that I was interested in and effectively just started playing around with the dials. You know, and then I put some explanation onto those dials and a reason why I was doing that, you know, because the other side of the design was I didn't want to commission a watch to commemorate something if people who were going to buy it didn't actually know what the dial meant, you know, so I put in reasons right. for that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, what happens is, is effectively you submit them a design, they give it to their... I guess their artists or graphic designers on their side of it. And what they do is they make it look pretty effectively. They make it look like a proper watch design that has come from Bremont. And that is, um, is a part of the advertisement as well. So they give you mm -hmm. all of that information to obviously aid in the advertisement of your project through Bremont. So you get to see all of these digital, basically, um, I guess, digital mock-ups of the, project and you can change it obviously you know to how best you want to do it so um if you look at my design you see that there's um lettering on the dials next to uh one two and four yeah so initially i thought oh I'll just have the, the the writing on there in like a gray so you can see it you know but then i was i saw another project you know that was obviously advertised through bramont on their social media and i noticed that on their obviously design they had managed to get luminescent paint that was a different color so in the day it's just the outline of those um the v's and the mi on my dial but at night they actually glow you know so that was quite you know that was a change and it was just emailing and say look i've seen this other design that you guys have done is this possible to do it on mine you know and you know they will come back and say yes or no or whatever and effectively what happens is you've 
you know, you go through, we went through probably four or five different designs. So I submitted an, an initial design. Their designers came back mm-hmm. with four or five, I think, r- roughly similar designs where they basically take, took my initial one and thought, right, we know what he kind of wants. We'll give him a few more options. And then we basically went back and forth on the phone and email and said, right, that's the final design. And then it was just like little things that I managed to add on to the project as well. So um, effectively for a project to go through, you have to have X amount of people, you know, sign on for the project, you know, because obviously, like I said, you know, they're a business. They're not going to make just a one-off watch for one person. You know, they, they right. need to have, um, these projects need to have traction behind them. So you've, you obviously through the advertisement, you gain those clients, I guess, you know, for your project. And the more clients you get, the more um, alterations to the um, the physical watch you can have. So I was quite fortunate in the fact that I had enough people to not only have a bespoke dial, but also I got to have an engraving on the case back, which is more unique, and also an engraving on the rotor as well, the, 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 um, the weight in the back as well. So... I love you know. the uh, I love the text on the on the dial at six o'clock too, which I think translates to "We hunt with our eyes." Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, very so, cool. And then yeah, there's also Latin on the on the wo- on the rotor weight as well, which is quite cool. So um, the 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 design um, commemorates um, imagery intelligence throughout the throughout the uh, mm-hmm. obviously throughout the time it's been around. So it actually goes back to the Second World War, and I managed to get different um things on the dial and on the watch as a whole that commemorates different elements of the use of imagery intelligence from historical right up to the present day use of it in modern obviously military operations so i think i like i mean obviously i'm biased because i designed it but you know um (laughs) i think it, it worked out well you know and also through speaking through you know to other people who have seen the design and you know after they realize what it commemorates you know i've only really had positive feedback on you know just the fact that it managed to get so many different design elements onto one thing which is quite cool so and what I love is that it's, it's super subtle. It could have been, it would have been way too easy to just get all these different elements on there and just have it look like, 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 like an asteroid from space. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing, but the way, the way watch is designed, it's, it's very subtle and reflects two things, really confident designing, which is, which is, which is, which is testament to you and, and Bremont. And also at the same time, it's very personal. These are, these are things that are, that are, that are, that are, that are, really special to you and that you knew obviously would be special to other people as well so every time it comes up on our feet i'm like oh man thing is so cool oh, it cheers, just man. looks so cool cheers man i like that thank <laughs> you for that um but yeah mm-hmm. no it's uh it's definitely been a really fantastic project obviously you know to get involved with um and then through yeah. through obviously the project i've managed to obviously been fortunate to be invited to other elements of you know bremont's you know i guess calendar events as it were so um i managed to get to the um the launch uh, for the 1918 watch, which obviously commemorates the the, the 100th anniversary of the Royal Air Force, uh, and that insane was watch. yeah, it was an insane watch, and it's you know it's a <laughs> it's a really nice watch, and it's something that uh, you know would be very hard to find, I think now. Um, but that was such a cool event, and I had no idea what to expect when I went there, um, and it was just incredible, really, to to go there and also to be introduced, like I said, you know, as a project leader. You know, that was quite cool. You know, to be treated like 
yeah. y- y- a little bit special, I guess, you know, and, and I just, like I said, I never thought that just, you know, that opportunity would come from, like I said, just emailing a company to say, oh, would you be happy to, you know, endorse my idea of potentially commissioning a watch? You know, I never thought that that would happen. So I thought it was quite cool to kind of end up at, you know, an actual Bramont event. And then the fact that I was then invited to the townhouse event as well in uh, in February, which was quite cool. So. Yeah, it's a continued relationship. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and I think that's quite cool is the fact that well, even though, you know, you have this relationship with them when you make the watch and you go through the project design, it hasn't, like I said, it hasn't finished. And I think that's quite cool is the fact that they, they still want to retain you, you know, as yeah. almost, like I said, it's not so much a client, but almost like, you know, like I said, as someone who endorses them as a brand, but also, you know, um, as an enthusiast, I guess, not only into watches, but also yeah. into what they are trying to do. You know, like I said, you know, we were talking about how cool the Smith's watch is and the fact that it was the last British watch to be made fully in UK, you know, but you can see now through where Bremont want to take their company is that they want to bring more watchmaking back to England. And I, I was fortunate enough to be at the townhouse event and be um, basically uh, an part of the audience who saw um one of the guest i guess panel shows kind of thing interviews where they had uh representatives of other companies that bremont have worked with over the years and they were talking about yeah you know british industry and how they wanted to get you know like i said you know from bremont side of it they want to obviously recruit people who have the aptitude to become watchmakers you know i think that's fantastic mm. you know and they want to you know, like i said you know continue to work with all these other companies you know they had obviously a representative a representative from uh, Martin Baker there who do the ejector seats, which obviously is important for Bremont yeah. because they have a watch line named after that ejector seat, you know, um, and they have, uh, they had the, ex- a, the, ex- the exclusive club, the exclusive watch. Yeah. That you can only get if you obviously eject out of a, using a Martin Baker. I mean, how gutted would you be if you <laughs> ejected from an aircraft and it wasn't a Martin Baker? Just saying. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I don't, I don't even get the watch. Damn yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. You're like, I've just lost two inches of my height with my spine and I don't even get a nice watch to show for it. You know? That's horrible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was cool to... That's so cool, though. Yeah, it was man. definitely cool to see how they want to take their company in the future, you know. And I thought the coolest quote from, from them was actually they kind of class themselves as a British engineering company that make watches, not so much a British watch company. And I think that was quite oh, cool, like, you know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were, and you could definitely make that argument just with some of the way. Um, I just love a lot of the engine that goes into just the case construction. Yeah, and they're just like the sort of like the way they do. So that, that's actually really, I like that. I like that quote. That's cool. Yeah, and it is cool, man. Like to see them to see them make it. I mean, at both events that I went to, they actually had a watch stand there with a watchmaker you know, with various nice. models disassembled at different points, and they were taking people through how they make the watches you know and when you're seeing them take these watches apart and how they actually work is just for me it's really fascinating you know i mean the other thing that i found quite cool was and i had no idea you could even do this um but the accuracy in which they actually make um their movements in terms of the physical tolerances as well as the cases they machine their parts of their watches down to like one micron which is like obviously an insanely small, you know, tolerance, <laughs> you know, and 
you hear one micron and you think that's really small, but then they turn around and said that a human hair is like four microns. You're like, oh, okay, so that's oh incredibly tiny, you know. And I th- I, <laughs> the fact that they were, they have the ability to do that, but they're also incredibly proud of of saying that they can do it. And I think that's really cool to say, look, we are more of an engineering company, and we take everything of our company yeah. seriously. It's not just oh, we produce fantastic watches. It's uh, we do great case machining, you know, um, and all of that kind of stuff. So every element has, you know, their almost seal of quality on top of it, which I think is quite cool. So. What I what I love is that it's outreach through education. A lot of times you'll experience brands who sort of operate behind this like veiled mist and then you'll see an advertisement of someone on like a motorcycle wearing the watch. You're like, oh, okay, I guess that's cool. But this is totally different. This is, this is educating people about the processes that go into the watches you know why it's being done this way and sort of what the outlook for the future would be what the goal is you know british watchmaking needs to be prosperous you know again so i think that's super cool i'm looking at the time it's unfortunate but we are sort of rounding down to the end um which is basically an indication to me that we we have to have you back on the show because (laughs) there was there there was there was about a billion other watches in your collection that i wanted to talk about um but i'm curious curious to hear the, your prospects in the future for um, for just your thoughts on, on Bremont and personally, are there any kind of new pieces you have in the crosshairs mm. or do you not want to talk about them so no one buys them <laughs> like someone stole that glycine from Michael? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I guess really um, in terms of Bremont, you know, I like, I like to think that mm-hmm. my, my project will continue with them, which would be really cool. Um, and I'm just awesome. excited to see kind of like where their company goes in the future. You know, I think it'd be really cool to say that Bremont would be the company that could bring back, you know, a fully in-house British watch movement, you know, and get that whole, yeah. that get that whole process as, as a production process, which was lost with, you know, the, you know, um, I guess the dis- dissol- dissolving or dissolution of Smiths back in the sixties, you know, to say that it's Bremont that not only have put in the work to kind of bring almost British watchmaking back, not to the forefront, but at least, like you said, you know, to the fringes of other people's, like, you know, every normal person's, you know, radar in terms of, you know, how they advertise and the fact that they can get it out there. I think it'd be really cool if Bremont are actually the company that, you know, successfully managed to bring it all back to Britain where they can turn around and say, yeah, we were inspired by our love of you know engineering the military and you know watches and also of being british and we have successfully brought back out a bremont model which is completely made in england everything and i think that'd be really cool to see that in a few years you know i think that'd be really cool um but and obviously like i said you know it'd be cool to see my project continue uh in terms of watches that i'm thinking that I'd want to buy uh, in the future. Um, I don't know, actually, to be honest. I'm quite content with my, my collection mm-hmm. as it is. I think it'd be really cool to... Wow. I think it'd be really cool to get the, the third um, Seiko model type, which obviously was used by um, the American forces in Vietnam, because that way I could turn around mm-hmm. and say that I have a sub-collection within my collection. You know, that'd be quite cool. Um, but then the only other watch that I, I think is a, like, I guess, you know, we use that grail watch term all the time, mm. but I think I'd really <laughs> like to add a, uh, just a Rolex Explorer to my collection. Um, so 
I, I, I feel I've got a bit mm-hmm. of an affinity with, with, with just the normal um, explorer because when I'm not, in, you know, doing what I do day to day, I like to throw myself off the side of mountains. So I think it'd be really cool to have a, a Rolex <laughs> we, Explorer, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. We watch family. He's not remotely exaggerating. <laughs> if you go to his feed, uh, I, I shared said the feed earlier in the show. Um, so his Instagram handle, it's, uh, I'm, I'm always, I always mess this up. D-A-N-C-2-1-C-Y. So Dan C-2-1-C-Y. Um, it's just photos of watches and him climbing on like mountains. That's it. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So cheers, man. <laughs> but no, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to add a, a Rolex Explorer just because, um, like I said, for me, that mountaineering and rock climbing side of my, you know, is another passion that I, mm. I avidly follow. But also, it would be cool for me because, you know, there's that history of Rolex and mountains, and then there's also that history of um, Smiths with, with Everest, you know. So to say that I've got a yep. Smiths, which, you know, ties in loosely with Everest and then you can also turn around and say that the Rolex ties in loosely with Everest and then it kind of rounds off a package of of me as a person not only as a rock climber and mountaineer but also as a military man you know I think that's that'd be quite cool so you're 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 telling your own story your chronicling history <laughs> all by just, collecting just exactly watches. yeah yeah if, if people decide to <laughs> look at my wrist they'll they can kind of loosely figure it out <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool but um but yeah i think it's oh man i i i i wish we were we could record more because i have mm, we'll have you back on if you're cool with it we'll we'll, we'll have yeah, you back man, on I'd, mike is there is there oh sorry yeah man I'd, lo- I'd love to come back on yeah that'd be awesome good times good times mike is there is there any additional points or considerations we need to cover while we still had dan so i, I think we need to uh see if braymont would like to make a two broke watch snobs watch <laughs> we neither of us have served in in any military <laughs> unless unless we can commit a, a, a commission a straight up uh, a watch to commemorate my time as a military potato peeler if we can get with like <laughs> just like a big potato at the 12 o'clock marker and like a potato peeler at the six o'clock marker i i, I would be i i'm sure i'm sure there's at least more than 10 of us that would totally buy that watch we'll, so i think we can make that happen. we'll see no I, I don't have any other i don't have any other questions <laughs> this was fun and um you know i i think uh you know, I think now we know how much we have uh, to talk about for next time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so just just to just to recap, you know, um, we did the wrist check. Michael's wearing his CWC. I'm wearing the Polar Jot 3133. Uh, Dan's wearing his Bremont Solo. Um, I mean, we went across the gamut of really cool military pieces. We talked. We we started with you know sort of uh, um, um, a, a British. So we talked about CWC. We talked about Smiths. We also talked about. Seiko's in Vietnam, which is just, which is, I think, something that that that, that a lot of folks don't necessarily have too much uh, knowledge on. So it's great to just talk about that. Also talked about the IDF marathons, um, talked about the Bremont solo projects, and just Bremont in general and the relationship they have with 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 you know service members and 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 the and the British uh, military, and then also just how they're positioning themselves within British urology because it needs. It definitely needs more attention and we talk about on the show all the time how how sort of the normal traditional state of where watches are it's it's one could use the term stale i might be a bit aggressive but i have no problem using it because i have nothing to lose anymore at this point i mean you know whatever uh just a guy in a podcast so i i it's really cool and refreshing and every time i see bramont news um i'm like oh cool what's happening now we're like oh what's this new release now like i think this past year um i was super into that endurance uh release they did oh, yeah. remember that mike oh, oh yeah that, that thing was so that's cool, such a cool right? watch, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was like, I was like, holy crap, this is, and like, I, 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 I sat down and I, I read the whole article. I haven't read an entire article in a long time, <laughs> but I read this entire thing. I saw all the pictures. That was really cool. So it was, it was um, really cool to, to really, try one on, man. Just saying. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dan, really appreciate you taking the time coming on the show. Everyone again, check out his feed. Really, really cool watches. It's Instagram. It's D-A-N-C-2-1-C-Y, Dan C-2-1-C-Y. Oof, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it right one day, but um, but yeah, I think um, really do appreciate the time. Looking forward to having you on again. But Mike, is it is it that time? Is it that sad time where we have to say goodbye to everyone? Sadly, yes. I can I can start if it if it makes it easier for you. Okay, you start. I'll I'll jump in and then we'll we'll let Dan ha- have the final goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. This is Kaz and Dan. I'll let you say goodbye. Cheers, guys, for letting me come onto the podcast. I hope. Thank you very much and I look forward to having a chat with you again at some point in the future.